Hannah Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the Let's Be Frank edition. This week, we're explaining the reaction to the indictment of former President Donald Trump, why libertarians are accusing Frank LaRose of misconduct, whether chaplains might soon be serving in Ohio's public schools, and how much the abortion amendment has cost so far. Joining me in studio is reporter Haley B. Miller. Hello. Happy last out before the August 8th election. I know. It's crazy. It's in like five days now. It is. Make sure uh, y'all... Get out and vote if you haven't already. Our first topic is the indictment of former President Donald Trump on four federal charges related to the January 6th insurrection and efforts to overturn his 2020 election loss. The reaction in Ohio predictably split along party lines. People like Republican Representative Jim Jordan said that the former president did nothing wrong, while Democratic Rep Greg Landsman said it's 100% disqualifying for him in his race to be president again. But the big question is whether any of this or any of the indictments will make a difference to voters in Iowa and eventually Ohio. Yeah, I mean, we know former President Trump still remains very popular in Ohio. Our latest Suffolk poll that we did showed him beating Biden in Ohio in a potential rematch in 2024. And interestingly, we've seen nationwide that these indictments have kind of empowered Trump supporters in some ways, and people have really doubled down on their support of him. And I think, you know, his popularity has, you know, stayed steady, if not increased a little bit because of this. Now, there are all sorts of legal questions ahead if he's ever convicted as to what that means for a presidential candidate or potentially a president, but that is above my pay grade. (laughs) Yeah. And in just a couple of weeks, we're actually going to have our first presidential debate, which I can't believe we're already here. He will be on stage with a bunch of other candidates, maybe Mike Pence, maybe not, who's been a pretty vocal critic of him now, especially related to January 6th. But, you know, all of that, I guess we really won't know how it shakes out until we get to Iowa and New Hampshire and those early primary states. Yeah. And, you know, just a side note, since you mentioned the debate, um, Ohio's very own Vivek Ramaswamy will also be on the debate stage. And he has been very vocal in support of Trump. He has said that he will pardon Trump if he becomes president in 2024. Ramaswamy is still considered a long shot candidate in a lot of ways, but he's been grabbing a lot of attention and doing better in the polls than a lot of people expected, even starting to gain on DeSantis a little bit. Yeah. So who knows? But we'll have the answers to all of that, I guess, in a couple of months. Our second topic is Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose. He's been traveling the state campaigning in favor of issue one, and the Libertarian Party says that violates federal election law. So, Haley, you were covering this. What is the Hatch Act and why do they think he broke it? So most people know the Hatch Act for how it regulates federal political activity, but there's actually part of it that that applies to state officials, too. And it says if a state agency like the Secretary of State's office receives federal funds, then state employees and those agencies are barred from certain political activity. One of those activities is using their official position to influence an election, and that's what the Libertarian Party of Ohio says LaRose is doing. Now, LaRose counters with, I'm doing this in my personal capacity, you know, I'm doing my day job during the day, but then supporting issue one on my own time because I believe in it. Yeah. And he kind of gave that example. I mean, he's used this in a couple different ways so far that he opposes abortion, but it qualified for the ballot, right? He certified their signature gathering because they had enough signatures. 
Yeah, so I don't know how far this complaint will go. Uh, it's worth noting the Libertarian Party of Ohio opposes issue one, so they certainly have some skin in this game. Um, and they tussled with Frank back in 2013? Yeah, they were. Um, there was a legislation back when LaRose was in the state Senate that changed the rules for third parties getting on the ballot. He supported that, and the Libertarian Party still apparently has not forgotten about that, and still, I believe the former candidate for governor for the Libertarian Party, Travis Irvine, referred to him as Two-Face Frank. So so no love lost between the two camps. Yeah. <laughs> Our third topic is chaplains. Religious leaders could be hired as volunteers or paid employees to work inside Ohio's public schools if a bill that's now being proposed in the state house would become law. So it's called House Bill 240. And what it would do is permit districts, if they wanted to, so not required, to bring in chaplains to provide, quote, support, services and programs for students so long as they passed a background check. It's very similar to a law in Texas that became law earlier this year. And Ohio Republicans say more support for students is always a good thing. But Democrats, teachers unions and LGBTQ groups say the language is vague and it doesn't limit the scope of what these chaplains, probably pastors, could do. And they worry that it could be a backdoor to bring in controversial issues like conversion therapy. Yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting conversation. The bill does aim in part, I think, to address a problem that has been going on for a while now, which is that there's just a massive shortage of mental health providers in schools. You know, youth mental health continues to be a problem. So, you know, I know Rep. Gary Click said that this is a way to fill that gap. But to your point, you know, these groups have also seen the Ohio legislature pass legislation, you know, targeted at transgender youth, that kind of thing. So, you know, the concern is whether things like that are going to be able to slip in because of this new rule with the chaplains. Yeah. And so, you know, I talked to a bunch of different groups uh, that had concerns about this and they said, look, the law as it exists now, it's just been introduced. So it's got to go through the legislative process. But if you look at Texas, uh, Democrats in Texas proposed a number of amendments, uh, one of which was you have to get parental consent for the chaplains to make contact that was shot down. Another was to have additional requirements beyond like background checks. So I actually learned that if you want to be a prison chaplain, for example, or a military chaplain. There are certain requirements the federal government requires of you, like a master's in divinity, a college degree, and they shot that down. And then there were other guardrails, like um, a ban on proselytizing. And so the concern, I think, in looking at Texas is if this comes to Ohio, they would want parameters. Now, the bill says the school districts could set those, right? The school Mm. districts could put all of those rules in. But I think, you know, what you hear from LGBTQ groups in particular is, well, what if a district doesn't? Does that mean that a pastor could sit down next to a child in a lunchroom and try to convince them to accept Christ? Like, could that be the situation? Right. One thing I thought was interesting about this bill, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like chaplains could not completely replace any other mental health providers in schools. There would still have to be licensed therapists in the schools as well. This would just be another option, essentially. Yeah, that's the biggest difference between the Ohio proposed law and the one in Texas. So the one in Texas says that you can use them in lieu of mental health professionals. And Ohio says, no, they can be used in tandem, but not as a replacement. And I think that's an important distinction because, as you pointed out, we do have a shortage of mental health workers, particularly in 
schools. But what I thought was really interesting is the ratio that you want for mental health, like school counselors to students is like one to 250 students, which sounds wildly high. But yeah. Ohio is one to 400. So we don't even like come close to making that. Wow. And individual districts like, you know, some do better than others. But I was talking to some folks. Scott DeMauro, the president of the Ohio Education Association, it's one of the big teachers unions. And he was like, I think you'd be hard for us to find any school in Ohio that really gets substantially below that number. And I mean, you just think about that caseload, right? Mm -hmm. If you have hundreds of students now, not every kid comes to you, not every kid needs mental health services, but you probably don't get to spend as much time as you would like with the kids that you have. Yeah, I think this will be an interesting conversation with the legis- when the legislature comes back in the fall and we'll see how much of a priority it is for state house leaders. Our fourth and final topic is abortion. November's vote on whether to put abortion access protections into Ohio's constitution is shaping up to be an expensive fight. No real surprise there, but this week we got to look at um, how much money the different groups have raised, where that money is coming from, and honestly... A lot of it wasn't terribly surprising either. So supporters of the Reproductive Rights Amendment raised a collective $9.6 million. It came from places like traditional abortion rights advocates and like Ohio Physicians for Reproductive Rights. It's another like group that is raising money for this. Their largest donors were doctors who perform abortions. But on the flip side, Protect Women Ohio, which opposes access, raised $9.7 million. And they got it from national anti-abortion organizations and like Ohio's Catholic diocese. Yeah, these are definitely a lot of the same players that you see with abortion advocacy on both sides of the issue. What's interesting is, you know, Protect Women Ohio already spending a lot of money, clearly, for the fight in November, but they also support issue one. They want that to pass to make it harder for the abortion amendment to pass. And so a lot of their resources right now are also going to pro-issue one ads. Probably a lot of the ads you all have seen on TV have been from them because they've been very proactive the last several weeks, even more so than the official Vote Yes campaign. Yeah. And you're seeing that from the group that has the ballot amendment on in November, because obviously the 60 bar will be harder than the 50 percent. And when you look at polling in Ohio on abortion, um, whether it's the Suffolk poll we just did, the Baldwin-Wallace poll from last year, even the Ohio Northern one, all of it shows above 50 percent, but none of them show above 60. Yeah, this this race is or campaign, I guess, is going to just get even more expensive. And Ohio is the only state that's voting on abortion in 2023. We're strangely busy for an odd year. So that's just going to attract attention anyway. Right. And I think people are going to look at Ohio, you know, how this shakes out in November and assess whether, you know, their state can do something like this. And one more thing before you go, we put out a bunch of special OPE episodes this week, giving you, our listeners, an inside and exclusive look at what it's like to build the case against former House Speaker Larry Householder from the FBI agent who was right there. Yeah, these interviews were super interesting and getting the chance to hear directly from an FBI agent who was involved in the case is very rare. So highly recommend listening and checking out the story that Laura Bischoff did as well. Yeah. You know, so the FBI agent that she interviewed was there on the day that Larry was arrested and it sets the scene. He explains like what Larry was doing, how his wife reacted. Like it's it's very up close and personal. Spoiler alert, Tondra Householder was not happy. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like the Lancaster Eagle Gazette.